0: The following podcast is a dear media production.
1: From the offices of Create and Cultivate, this is Work Party, the podcast. If you're new to Work Party, the podcast, welcome. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, the CEO and founder of Create and Cultivate, the online platform and conference for women looking to create and cultivate the career of their dreams. I'm also the author of a book, Work Party, and your host of this very podcast. So, welcome. In season one of the podcast, we've tackled a ton of topics for new and aspiring business owners. In our Start by Starting episode, serial entrepreneur and celebrity makeup artist Bobby Brown shared her best advice for getting your business idea off the ground. In our Paying It Forward episode, Kristen Bell and I chatted about responsible businesses and how they will truly save the world. Sarah Blakely, founder of Spanx, got real with me and shared her thoughts on the highs and lows of managing a business in our Congrats on Your Failure episode. Seriously, we have dropped a ton of knowledge on season one. So if you're not caught up yet, what are you waiting for? Start listening today. Today's episode is a special one because you are our special guest, Uh, our amazing work party listeners, because we had some time between season one and season two we thought we'd take some of our amazing listener questions, so we reached out on Instagram and Workrate.com, and you guys sent us all of your awesome questions. And so, welcome to our official bonus episode. And in the studio with me today is our wonderful and amazing marketing director, Heather Records. Hello, ladies. Welcome, Hummer. Thank you. And we are going to tackle your questions. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm stoked. Um, I always get to answer all the questions that come through on Instagram and on social media, but today we'll get to really dive in and elaborate, and we always get like we definitely get a few standard questions that come through like when do I go full time when do I leave my job so we'll get to those and then you guys sent through so many so we're gonna try to get to as many as possible um and then hopefully maybe just make this a regular thing
1: yeah I, I love this I mean so many of you guys have amazing questions and like Heather said sometimes we get the same questions but I I posted on my Instagram and got some out of the box questions that I'm excited about but Heather is such a resource she's really grown the CNC community on on Instagram, which is a question we get all the time. How do I grow my following? So super excited to have you here and help me tackle these questions. Let's
2: do it. Okay. Wait, so what are we going to answer first? Oh, my God.
1: Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? No, you're definitely going first. Um. <laughs> well, we're both answering the questions. Don't just put me on the spot. But I got some lit questions on my Instagram that I'm super excited about.
2: Mm-hmm. I got a, we got a lot of questions from
1: college. What's
2: college girls? Yeah, I'm <laughs> that so, so creepy. <laughs> I know, <laughs> girls' college. My- <laughs> nope, different. <laughs> um, different. More like advice for college entrepreneurs. So that was very interesting to see, and also great because
1: we can um, definitely be providing you guys some more resources. Yes. Okay. So fire away question number one, coming in hot.
2: Okay. I feel like this one's for you because it is you. (laughs) I'm only 23, but very ambitious. How do I start my own business? Sup, girl? (laughs) (laughs) It me.
1: Uh, Yeah, 23. So I started my first company when I was 23. I mean, look, I started my first company not knowing a single thing about running a company. And sometimes I think that can be the best business plan in the sense of not – going forward and saying, okay, well, I'm going to – here's my business plan, here's the model, here's the thing. I think there's something so beautiful in entrepreneurship of the not knowingness of it all. But the reality is, is like you need an idea, number one. You need to know how that idea will make money, number two. And number three is you need to know how much money you need to make that idea a reality. Um, and, and and money, time, resources, humans, employees, all of those different things. But the reality is, and, and I think Rachel Tipper said this at our um, event we did with Dell in New York, and I thought, oh, she's so right. She's like, the reality is, is you can go on Alibaba Express, order a blank compact, put your, print your logo off your printer, put a sticker on it, and you're the CEO of a beauty company. And I was like, snaps! <laughs> truth. Um, I mean, I don't know if you should do that. That is unsolicited. Yeah. Not Duh, real advice. I don't know. Um But but that's the reality is like I think so many of us just think entrepreneur is this really intimidating term. But the reality is is just going out and doing it is fifty percent of the battle.
2: Definitely. And I feel like our audience specifically, I know this has come up before, but like Our audience is like, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm just doing this thing on the side. And I'm Mm. like, no, that means that that you're an entrepreneur. You're You're doing it. Exactly. So,
1: yeah, I think doing it is just step one. But that's so exciting. And I think more and more young women are going out there and starting their own businesses. And it's dope. I'm really into it.
2: So that was from Anna Barahana. I forgot to shout her out at the beginning.
1: So we're going to do a better job with that. Heather's really bad with last names. So (laughs) let's let's (laughs) brace yourself. (laughs) I am quite bad at them, actually, but, I mean. So exciting. Okay. Okay. Hit me with another.
2: Um, I've been in business. Okay. This is from, oh, wow. I should only pick the easy names. No. See? (laughs) Let me, I can try, too. Shaneka Gordon.
1: Hmm. That sounds right.
2: Um, I've been in
1: business six years. When should I look at rebranding? Hmm. Right. So rebranding is tricky. And, and actually our episode with Jasmine Takanikos, we talk about this a little bit. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing about rebranding. It's, it's a really tricky situation. It really depends on your business because one is like if you look at a company like Supreme where the logo is so iconic or even like Gap is a right. better example. Remember when Gap changed their logo and everyone's like, what the... Is this like Wild. and everyone was like full backlash? I mean, Celine. Um, yeah, and so I think you know it depends on like, is this a logo that's on all your products? Is this a logo where it's highly integrated to your product, right. or are you? a consultant? Are you a digital agency? Are you an e-commerce site where it doesn't like matter as much? And I think there's
2: a difference between rebranding and iterating yes. the company, yes. which yes. I think has to happen way more often, mm-hmm. maybe than like
1: a full rebrand. Totally. And I think also, but again, like if you have this like print shop deluxe logo you made in like 1995 and you're like, yeah. time for an upgrade, time to like, upgrade yeah. do it. <laughs> um, but I think I think six years feels like a good time to freshen some things up, I think – um, you know, even with Crate and Cultivate, we're constantly changing the tagline, the the bio, the mission statement. Like we're constantly evolving it, which is so important. I mean, I love the logo. I don't think we're gonna change it anytime soon. No, I love the logo. It's iconic, like Supreme and Gap.
0: <laughs> just, <laughs> just kidding.
1: Not yet. Um, but I, I think like I think yeah I think with my old business I I changed the logo like three or four times throughout because it, it started yes. it started as No Subject Los Angeles and then everyone's like oh you just in Los Angeles. And I was like, no, no, no. We're everywhere. So I think it's things like that too where you learn how people are perceiving what you're doing. Okay. I'm going to go with my IG question. Okay. This is from Erica Haskett. How can I combine my personal and photography Instagrams and then successfully (laughs) – cool. I can't read. And then (laughs) successfully rebrand myself overall as an artist, photographer, painter, art professional? And then she was like, "If this doesn't make sense, let me know what I can do," <laughs> which I thought was so cute. But I think like what the core of this question is is I have a personal Instagram and then I have a professional Instagram. How do I sort of define those two? Do I combine those and do one? I think and you I do think, one. I I mean I just do well, one. Okay. Well, Crate and Cultivate when I was like well, yeah. starting was like just me. <laughs> but I think um, I think it depends on the nature of the business. I think with something like photography. Like, it's funny. So my sister has two. She has, like, a personal one and her her business one. But honestly, they kind of look the same because they're both just, like, really beautiful photos. Um, but I think the reality is, is, like, your Instagram bio is prime real estate of, like, who you are, what you do, where you live, and a link to your business. Where you live, ladies. Please put it your location your bio. in your bio. It really makes all the difference. But... I think, like, and that's why, you know, on my Instagram, I have, like, CEO of Creighton and Cultivate, live in Los Angeles, like, Forbes 30 under 30, which, like, a lot of people put, which I'm going to have to eventually take down when I'm, like, 40. <laughs> Just Far away from a, a loser. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, I think it's really about using that as your your landing page, essentially. And I think if you're a photographer and Instagram's a photography platform. Yeah. I think if you're just posting pictures of your dog and, like, random stuff on your personal, keep it your personal. But if your personal is just as curated as your professional and you don't have business partners or other things like that, I'm okay with that being the same page.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it definitely comes down to, like, what you do and what you want to share. I mean, I feel like there are also right now a lot of founders that are – running these businesses, and they have tons of followers. And that's amazing. But some people just want to be more private. I know I go back and forth of like, do I want to make my page private or not? I mean, realistically, I'm only sharing
1: Instagram videos of my cats, cat pictures.
2: But um, but yeah, I think it also just I'm on social media so much all day long, even if it's not my own page. I'm like, I just kind of need separation. Separation. See, and, and I, I don't.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm like, everything's through the right. the one lens. I know. That's why you're so good at it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. All right. You're up. Okay. So
2: I really liked this question. It came from Amanda. Oh, my gosh. Everyone's going to kill me. Yeah.
1: This is really just a pronunciation <laughs> <laughs> test <laughs> for <laughs> Heather.
2: <laughs> okay. Amanda Honefort. There's a G in there, though. So questionable. Um. Okay, so I'm someone that hates upsetting people and often feel guilty about it for so long. Um, something that is far from reasonable or sustainable in business. Any tips on how to get over feeling guilty or upset um, and getting upset with other people? Also, any tips to learning not to get embarrassed? Um I definitely, I, I just, I love that one. We have an article on the website called The High Cost of People-Pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really good read. Um, it always, like, pops up as, like, some of our most popular content. So you should definitely check it out. It's, um, It's really just, like, basically overcoming this fear and just, like, showcasing, like, how that sets you back. And it also just gives you, like, really great tips and tricks of, like, the ways you can word things so that you're not upsetting other people or you're not Mm -hmm. coming off one way or another way um, and really just giving you kind of the tools you need to navigate those conversations.
1: Yeah, the art of pushing back is real. Um, And I think it's just about, uh, you know, it really depends on the situation, but going to a place where you can just say, hey, I actually can't get that to you or that's outside of my scope of work but yeah. happy to talk to you about doing this for an additional fee or, you know, whatever it might be. And I, I see this all the time. And I am – of, and I'm totally guilty of just being like, yeah, we can make it work. And I, like, always just make it work for people, which I, on one end from a client services perspective is a great thing because yes. you're always down to just, like, work through stuff with people. But I think at the end of the day, like, people – have to be understanding of where you're at and I think if you come about it in a very human way versus immediately being like like intense like I'm just so anyone like we're all humans we're all emailing we're all doing our best like there's no reason to come at something and just be like I'm shutting it down and I'm being really aggressive like talk it out like hey I actually thought this is what this was gonna be and it Mm -hmm. turned out it's this um and how do we get to where we both want to be from Exactly. There. And I feel like it's like a more human approach for sure.
2: Definitely. Yeah, so check out that article too. I think it's um, a really great piece and super helpful.
1: And then from being embarrassed, like just make a joke. I think I mean, like kill it with like I <laughs> like I remember this is so embarrassing that I'm going to admit this right now, but like at my first 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 job I was in all these meetings and everyone just kept being like, yeah, we need a mock-up. We need a mock-up. And I didn't know what a mock-up was. <laughs> and I sent an email to someone. I was like, yeah, they're asking for a mock-up. And I spelled it M-A-Q-U-E <laughs> up because I, in my head, that's what they were saying. And then <laughs> immediately they were like, what are you? You are an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, whoops, spell check. And I was like, nope. Nope. Nope, <laughs> just did not know. Uh, and I think that's okay. I think just being like – hey we're all learning here like type deal like that's fine and totally I mean I feel
2: like when I get frustrated my face turns immediate bright red there's literally nothing I can do about it it's the worst I hate (laughs) it so much but there's nothing I can do about it so I think it's just like I don't know I always take a step back and like I don't know, just have a breather, go for a walk around the office, and then come back and realistically, like, list out what needs to get done and, like, just try to put – not put your feelings aside because, obviously, you shouldn't be doing that, but just try to focus on, like, the
1: task at hand and, and just take a breather. Totally. So it's- And this was a good one. This one was on Instagram. To the Nines events. She said, question of the day, what is your number one mantra when it comes to work ethic or building an empire? What's your work ethic mantra, Heather?
2: Um, I mean, I don't want to steal it, but I think resiliency. I think being scrappy and being able to figure out how to get it done when it's maybe you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. You just... There's always a way to get it done. Yeah. It's just a matter of, like, here's I, here's option A, like, ideal option where everything goes perfectly. Here's option B where I just need to, like, hopefully slide through and just, like, make it happen. But I think being scrappy and, you know, not just being like, oh, I have this problem. Like, Google it. <laughs> yeah. Google it and figure it out. There's always going to be a solution. Yeah. Um, looking around at, like, what have, like, who do you admire and how have they made it happen? You know, how have they done it? Um, And really just kind of using all the resources that you can and making it happen.
1: Yeah. I think for me, it's really, one, like you said, there's a solution for everything. It's just about figuring it out, being a, a true problem solver, but also just knowing that everything will work out. Like, really like when shit hits the fan and shit's so bad and you're like, what am I doing? And this is such a nightmare. Like it all can work out. It might be painful and it might be exhausting and it might be X, Y, and Z things, but like there's always a solution, right? Like there's always a way to get there. Um, and I think like so we're so hard on ourselves all the time about things. And I think knowing that the, the secret to success is just hard work and honestly being – a pleasure to work with. Like I know I say that a lot in the book, but it's so yeah. true. Like I think the reason why people continued to work with me over time was like I cared and I showed up and I was responsive yeah. and I wanted them to succeed so badly in whatever it was that I was doing. And it's the same thing with Crane Cultivate. Like I care so much about the consumer's experience like when they're on site And it's, like, if I'm, like, oh, this is awful and we need to fix this or, like, you know, this person didn't have this great experience or couldn't see the stage that well or whatever. Like, I care about that. And I think that – throughout your business, if you, like, you know, if you are a donut maker and, like, being obsessed with what the donuts taste like and what they look like and what the experience is when they walk in the store, all of those things matter. And some of the best companies, SoulCycle, Drybar, they all think through that experience. You know, the SoulCycle founder spoke at Dallas. They were talking about how they were implementing this, like, cashless system where your credit card's on file, you, you know, you get your shoes, you get your water, you get all these things. There's no transaction. So it doesn't feel transactional. It feels like a relationship, which is, like, Sneaky because it's full transactional. I mean, I like, spent like, so much money
2: there totally. when I
1: first started. Out I know, totally. It's so much, but it's so it's smart because they approached it as a relationship. And now everyone is. And now everyone is. So, yeah, it's crazy. No, but
2: I do, and I remember too when I was interviewing um, with Jacqueline's uh, business partner for my job at Create and Cultivate. Her number one thing about Jackie was she's consistent. She's the most consistent person I've ever met. And it's so true, and I feel like resiliency and consistency are mm. di- are different, but also the same in a lot of ways. So yeah, consistency I love too. That
1: I'm gonna read this question, and it's a little hashtag humble braggy. Like <laughs> it's a little complimentary to myself, but let's do it. Fucking treat yourself. <laughs> this is from Jenee quoi. dope Amazing. Instagram name. Um, she said, when I worked with you at the Brooklyn conference May 2017, you were so calm and just surprisingly nice for a person of your stature. I've worked in the fashion industry for a long time, so I've i I've sort of expected to co- come to expect less than g- genial coworkers and supervisors. I guess I guess you haven't let it get to your head as you rise with your empire. One question I have is how do you do it? So <laughs> there's <laughs> it actually no so question. Fun. I just am gonna read that. No, I'm just kidding. But I actually I really like this one because I think there is like a mean girl culture and it's very real. And I think even for me, like people are like, oh my God, you're so successful. People are so mean to me. (laughs) Like I still am like, hey girls. And they're like, who are you? You can't sit with us. And I'm like, cool, cool. Um, No, I think it's very real. And I think, at the end of the day, it's like, look, I do my best. Am I a perfect person? Absolutely not. Would everyone agree with you? Probably not. But I think – that Heather's <laughs> shaking her head. Thanks, girl. No. <laughs> um, no, but I think, like, at the end of the day, I have a huge level of respect for the people around me, the people I work with, the clients we have, our employees, the volunteers on site, and the attendees to the point where – I the reason I started creating cultivate is because I didn't feel like there was a resource out there, and I didn't have the inroads to have a really successful mentor or a, a bigger relationship with someone that could help me get that foot in the door. And like, luckily, my you know my business partner at Creating Cultivate has been that for me in a lot of ways. But that doesn't happen for everyone, and that took a very long time to get there. And I you know remember being a 23 year old starting my first company and having no idea what I was doing. So when I get to meet and hear from all these awesome women at the conferences. And hear their stories and their struggles and all these things. It's like, of course, I want to hear them and be a part of that story. Like, I think there's a level, and this look, this happens. It's like everyone's like, you get a level of success, you get a certain amount of money, you get a little bit of fame, and like everyone's like, you can't talk to me, talk to my people. Yeah. And I still like joke because I'm still like, I I answer my emails I know. like <laughs> I always answer hello at crazy. I, I I literally get all the customer service emails, but I feel like you know, I think at the end of the day. It's really coming down to the paying it forward piece of the business where it's, like, having respect for each other, having respect for, the you know, the process, the the work experience, the, the things that women are going through at the end of the day. It's, like, same team, yeah. you know, and, like, let's all build each other up and, like, just be kind and human to each other. Like, I, that's, that's I, I have it's zero like- desire to just, like, fight with anyone. Like, at any given moment, I'm, like, not trying to fight with you. I just want to, like, find a solution, figure it out. And look, conflict is a hundred percent part of starting a business and and just being a human, but. I think like now when conflict comes my way, I've just been like, okay, option A, option B, option C. We can roll through all these options and sometimes it's annoying and we have to do it a certain way, but I'm not trying to come for anyone. And I think a lot of women are trying to come for each other in a way, big and small, where it's like, I'm going to take a little piece of her pie. I'm going to try and take her down, um, you know, piece by piece by piece. And I think at the end of the day, let's just focus on our own stuff, but like just be kind to one another.
2: Totally. I mean, have you ever walked away from someone and just felt like they just, like, shit all over your day? It's just – why would you ever want to make yeah. someone feel that way?
1: That's so yep, awful. Yep, 100%. Yeah. No, like, the other day, I was like – something happened, I was like, brah, rah, rah. It was, like, the other day when we were going through this thing, and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm just having a bad day. Like, and that's okay, too. I think sometimes you – like, look, we're all human. Totally. And there's
2: definitely a difference between being direct and getting shit done and being, like m- – mean about it it's just like there's, there's a difference reason, there's yeah. a solid, like strong difference yeah um okay Erica Reed asked how do you develop great partnerships when you feel your value is not equal to a partner um for instance when we were starting Create and Cultivate Jacqueline you partner with like Ace Hotel and Standard Hotels for some of the first events like how did you get all of these amazing partnerships um when Create and Cultivate really wasn't a name at
1: all Yeah. Great question. Um, So I think like, so the way the Ace, here's the thing. You have to figure out what people want. Like at the end of the day, the Ace Hotel and the the standard want to sell rooms. That's what they want, right? Like that's their business. So coming to them and saying, I'm going to, you know, at the time I was like, we're going to program this amazing day and we'll package in hotel night as part of the ticket price. So the original CNC stuff was packaging a one night stay at the Ace or the Standard or whatever. Interesting. So, I yeah, did know that. Yeah. So it was an overnight. It was like a two dayer. Horrible for your margins. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time it was great because we were making zero dollars. Right. Um, so basically when they approached us I was like hey we're going to like program this stuff. So in, in, in exchange like okay well we'll give you this event space like they have these cool spaces and we can like help supplement your needs like you know as much as you can negotiate or figure out you know obviously sometimes you know Things like the Ace and the Standard are cool partners and they like understand and get it. So they were like, we want to be part of it. But I think like the reality was is like we also helped them sell hotel nights on nights that were really tough for them. So we would do it on Sunday nights. Or Thursday nights, or things like that, where it was like, it's not their Friday night, Saturday night where they're sold out every weekend. It's like, right. the, it was helping them with a, a business need that they needed. Totally. So when it comes to strategic partnerships, I think it's like, how can you help them solve a need? How can you help them with, you know, financially or in a, an exchange or barter? Mm-hmm. Um, and then how can you provide something of value that's cool and fun? So I think when you're first starting out, that's like a big part of it is like figuring out. Yeah. How it works on that sense. Um, And then coming to them with like a fully comprehensive package. Right. I was like, this is what it is. This is what I need. Here's who's going to speak. Here's who's going to stay. Blah, 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 blah. And they were like, I mean, you can't say no to that. It's like built in things for them. And I think that's something that we do all
2: is Mm -hmm. we're like, here, you don't have to do the work. Like, (laughs) we've done everything. Um, It's packaged up. And like, these are all the benefits. And Obviously, like, you outlined that from the beginning. But, yeah, it is really just, like, n- identifying what they need, outlining it, making it as little work for them as humanly possible, and taking it from there.
1: Yeah, making it mutually beneficial as well.
2: Yeah. Okay. I thought this one was good. Samantha Pennington, how do you effectively lead employees who are older than you? And she listed here that she's managing people who are 30-plus years older than you are.
1: Ooh. I know. I know. But this kind of plays into my – my well, yeah. I mean, I guess I've ha- I've had both. I've managed people older than me. I've had clients that are, like, substantially older than me. Mm-hmm. I've had employees that are, are the same age as me, you know, things like that. Um, I think it really comes down to confidence mm-hmm. first and foremost. Um, that's number one is, like, knowing your place and understanding, like, I'm in a managerial role where uh, you reported to me and setting those parameters – um, that's number one. Number two is figuring out your management style. So it's like, are you the, like, we're buddy-buddy and this is how we do it? Or are you more like, we have a meeting on this day, we organize this, we go by this list, like, and that's the sort of management style. I think I'm a mix of both. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm very, like, list and, like, get it done, do this expectations. But I'm also like, I I mean, I don't know. Tell me if I'm (laughs) – you're like, nope. Um, But I also feel like I'm a human where I'm like, talk to me about things that are going wrong and like, what's not getting done? How can I help? And like, Totally. Being, like, the human side of it, too, versus just the robotic side of it as well.
2: Right. And I think no matter what, like, if you're managing someone that's older than you, there's a reason why. And I think remembering why that is Mm -hmm. is—it's because you know this information that they don't know or, you know, like. Yeah, you're you're... an expert in something.
1: Exactly. Um, And managing people is, like, um, and I, I was gonna say there also just has to be a level of mutual respect. Exactly. Yeah. Cause if they're coming at you like, Oh, that's cute. Or I don't know, whatever. I'm making it right. up. Like they're being <laughs> like super savage. I, I think then it's a conversation of like, Hey, we just, we need to sit down and talk about this. Yeah. Um, and we need to get on the same page here. I'm managing you. Here's my expectation. I expect right. you to respect me. I will respect you and your work. Yeah. And drawing those boundaries.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, I, yeah, I think the mutual respect, I think, um, I feel like I've done this. Why don't I have more to say on this topic?
1: You're like, everyone was just super chill with you and loved you. (laughs) No, they're like, why are you so small? (laughs) It's full of (laughs) legal. They can't say that. No, I I mean, I think it was – but I also think there's also things that you can learn from one another. I mean, when I was at Attention, we had this, like, MBA intern who, like, ended up being one of my, like, dearest friends. But she was definitely in her 30s. I was, like, in my 20s and I was, like, managing her. (laughs) And she was – but she was so insightful and helpful for me and, like, things I would never think about but I also was giving her projects to do, you right. know? So I think there's like a reciprocal relationship there.
2: Totally. I mean, I think I definitely wasn't managing them, but I was super young when I was first started my career, also at attention. <laughs> but like going into Shout the out at attention yeah, for attention for life. Um, no, but like going into a room of executive level like people at Mattel and being like this is what you need to do and I feel like there I had a lot of like bosses who left and they were like Heather's the only person.
1: Put <laughs> in the room.
2: And honestly that's I feel like why my career the trajectory I had in my career was the way that it was was because I was like I wasn't like oh no I'm too scared I was like oh yeah I got this and I know what I'm talking about better than anyone else here and Um, I didn't, like, go about and, like, you know, I wasn't, like, shredding my stuff or whatever. I just came in and I was very succinct and very, like, this is what you guys need to know. This is why it's important. This is why I'm the only person that knows this. (laughs) And you should pay me more money. No. But, um, you know, highlighting what you know, why it's important. And also, I think, for managing someone that's older than you, like, highlighting the – the things that they're really great at and then also highlighting like all these opportunities they have to learn um is also really helpful to be like hey i really want to teach you how to do this um and create some camaraderie and you know goal setting
1: hashtag know your stuff
2: Yep, know your shit okay this one is good cherelle riley i quit my job earlier this year at 30 climbing up the corporate ladder just didn't seem appealing anymore I decided I wanted to move across the country and find a new career path what's the best way to find a potential business partner when you are new to a city and you don't know anyone
1: that's a toughie I have no idea <laughs> there are actually no resources for this no for sure come to Ukraine cultivate I'm like got nothing no come to Korean cultivate for sure I know people who've met their business partners at CNC but go to career like events and you know get-togethers and things like that where you can meet other women you know I know like Risa goes to all these like women in marketing meetups, and, exactly. I, and it's like they're you know, and there's. Facebook groups and things.
2: Facebook groups is what I yeah. was gonna say. The Facebook, Facebook group, group
1: groups are lit. Like wow. ours is awesome. Like I see. Yeah. I saw some girl post that was like, "I moved to West Palm Beach, which is where my hometown is." And I saw my sister be like, "Hey, girl, let's coffee." I know get my coffee. sister's so I'm, like, active. <laughs> it's so Facebook awesome though. Today. I love seeing it because so I was like, I. "That's so amazing." And like, yeah. I, I think like definitely don't be afraid to like self promote on a Facebook page or group. And I think that's awesome. And I think, you know. Just putting yourself out there. Like when I yeah. moved to LA, I knew approximately zero humans. Same. And you just go out, you get in the mix. Say yes. You just have to
2: say, say yes. yes to things. That yes. Even like saying yes to things during like a new period in time is definitely opens more doors and like makes new connections and all these things. And then like eventually you'll be like, yeah, actually, I don't go out in public. And that'll be <laughs> fine too. But at least you'll go through this period of like making friends. And honestly, that's how I made all of my friends in LA. Totally. Too. Yeah. So, yeah, Facebook groups and just say yes to things. And a CNC conference. And obviously,
1: yeah, Korean culture.
2: Um, Okay.
1: What is the – this is a great question. Actually, this is a really good question for you, Heather. What is the best and most efficient way to do marketing for an online store other than posting to social media? I mean, you've had experience in that.
2: Yeah, re- remarketing.
1: Explain what remarketing <laughs> Tell um, us
2: more. So – basically when someone comes to your site you can track you know their different actions that they're taking are they putting something in their cart and leaving it there if yes send them an abandoned cart newsletter are they if they purchased a necklace and other people typically purchase that necklace with earrings and a ring that goes with it um from the same collection like remarket that to them um Facebook marketing is is obviously great um, with these like retargeting things I swear even like <laughs> recently which I can't advise on but I swear I say a brand and I immediately am like hey,
1: oh yeah here. I don't know how that works That's I don't like, <laughs> I can't
2: advise on that but it's <laughs> terrifying and also really effective um but but no you can definitely track um, the different you know actions that people are taking even if it's just like visiting. And you're running a sale and they've come and then they left, you know, remarket that sale like you only have three more days, all that stuff. Um, I think remarketing, especially when it comes to product marketing is huge.
1: Yeah. And I mean, remarketing for sure and creating, um, I'm like not an expert on this, but creating lookalike lists. Do you know about this? So someone told me about this. They're gonna be like, "You're full wrong. Gonna, <laughs> you can full delete this." But um, basically, downloading your email list to Facebook mm-hmm. and then yeah. on the ads, and then it'll create a look like list. So people that yeah. your friends are friends with, and you can advertise to them. Mm-hmm. TBD if that's true or false. No, 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 that's, that- <laughs> that's accurate. Um, but I think that I mean I think that makes a lot of sense because if yeah. you're you know. Just marketing to the same humans that are already coming to your store anyway, you're not going to grow your audience. But by expanding to their friends and friends of friends and people who have interest in, you know, your product, I think that's – Yeah. That makes a lot of sense.
2: And I always – and then obviously newsletter. Newsletter is so crucial and – um, one is a great way to remarket, but also, you know, just like that welcome to the family email. Like, what is that message that they're mm-hmm. getting when they first sign up? What is that message? They're I am getting a three sucker
1: for do you want 10% off newsletter? Oh, I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> I know I'm the worst. I
2: have a hundred percent car return rate. It's
1: r- ridiculous, but I will literally be like, I need to create a new email. Yeah, to get I, I, mean, I mean, I do, it's it's, so it's real, but like, that's a great way to get someone hooked. I think, like, just saying yeah. like quick capture to your whatever and um, Mm -hmm. especially for e-commerce. Yeah. I like this question a lot. Um, This is from Alexandra McIntyre. I am starting a product-based business, a donut food truck. I mean. So cute. Next year and I want to know if I should start off paying myself what I want to be paid or I should start earning a little knowing I will work to grow my business over the next year and will eventually be able to grow my salary. I'm willing to work super hard and live off very little, but I'm unsure if in the long run I'd be better to start off paying myself a fair amount and make the business able to function earning enough for that and everything else that goes into running a business. I expect I will be the only one running the business for at least the first six months so no other employees will be on board. Great question. (laughs) Pay yourself as little as possible. (laughs) Unfortunately. 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 No, for sure. When you're first starting a company – well. It really depends on – definitely at the beginning. I think at the beginning you want to grow, especially something like this. You want to franchise it. You want like six donut trucks on the road. You want it to blow up. You want a storefront. You want to do all the things. You want to be on a donut show. You want the best donuts in America. Like if (laughs) donuts. Donuts. If that's what you want and that's what you're looking to build, which I'm assuming that's what you are, put as much money back into the business as possible and pay yourself enough to survive. Yeah. And just – Grow, build, get more employees, and then you'll be making more money. And then eventually you can bump yourself up, you know. Right. Once you're starting to make – you're profitable or you start making money in a bigger way or you take on partners and things like that. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is like – and if you have big goals and big ambition for your business, unfortunately, you're like the last of the last to get paid for it until the very end. Right. right? Hopefully. And then then you can, you know, up your salary or whatever. But yeah, it's it's just not – in Chicago, we
2: asked, we were asking our different speakers um, what they've sacrificed in order to achieve success, and <laughs> I was so surprised at how many of them said money and, you know, from the early years, really sacrificing making money and, you know, feeling like they were building this, like, career trajectory that maybe some of their friends were getting, like, promotions and, mm-hmm. and all those different things, but, yeah, at first it's definitely the money sacrifice. Yeah, for
1: sure. I mean, I'm still not the highest paid person at Crate and Cultivate if it makes <laughs> anyone feel better. <laughs> it's true. It's just the way it is. It's like you're always trying to invest in your employees and staff and business and get the right people through the door. And if you're taking home a million bucks, that's a million bucks not going into your business. Right. And then it can, it can go really south from there. So this question is from Jocelyn Castillo. What steps should I take in order to leave my corporate job and focus 100% on my own business?
2: Financial runway.
1: Yes. Runway. <laughs> so knowing how much you need every month to survive and mapping out that much in your savings for however long you need the business, if that makes sense. So like, if you're like, I need six months to get this business off the ground, then you need six months of cushion in your bank account. Totally. To make it happen. Or I need $10,000 to start this business. And just – so I need to save $10,000 and have enough money. You're, like, smiling at me. I'm just
2: smiling because I'm thinking what I would do and I would just be, like, make sure no one's getting married and, like, cancel any large life things for the first year. I mean, I just – that seems so hard to me to, like – Good. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's horrible. Don't ever do it. Just (laughs) kidding.
2: But, like, I don't know. I I feel like just coming up right now in my lifetime of, like, everyone's getting married. Like, all this stuff. And then also just thinking through, like, planning a wedding. That sounds miserable. Like, having to do that and then working like the workload that needs to get done for a first
1: year of business. Ugh. like, Andrew, are you listening? I sounds think there's some pins being <laughs> dropped. <laughs> I mean, if I'm planning my wedding. Yeah, gonna... no. No, but uh, yeah, I mean like you need to be mentally, physically, emotionally prepared to be an entrepreneur and start a business. And like everyone I hear from the first three to six months of starting a business is like – oh, I'm not making any money or this didn't come through or I had this big thing and things are going quiet. And I'm like, welcome to entrepreneurship. (laughs) Welcome. There's good months and bad months. And like, it's like every time a bad month's hit, they're like, this is it. I need to go get a job. It's like, no, this is what it's like. And sometimes that's true. But I think for the most part, you have to just be ready to weather the storm. And that's why it's so important to have that cushion in your bank account.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. We had a lot of fun. Hope you got some valuable information. Yeah,
2: and we are working on season two, so – We set up a little blog post on WorkParty.com. We want to hear what topics you guys want covered. I know we got so much great feedback um, from season one. A lot of interesting things like, oh, we really want to hear advice from solopreneurs, people that aren't looking to hire and aren't looking to grow a business larger than themselves. So that was really interesting. Um, But any topics that you guys want to hear more of or things that we didn't cover, Go to WorkParty.com. There's a blog post um, and you can submit the different topics and even submit guests that you'd like to hear. If you have any suggestions there, we're open.
1: Amazing. Yay. Thank you. Have you bought your copy of WorkParty the Book? Part career manifesto, part practical business advice, WorkParty the Book is everything I wish I knew during my early years as an entrepreneur the ups, the downs, the things I learned, and the women that helped me to make it happen. Just like in our podcast, Work Party the book does not shy away from the nitty-gritty details you need to know. If you hope to start your own business or become the HBIC at your current gig, we're here to help you out. Available in hardcover and audiobook on Amazon, also on iBooks at Target and your local bookstore. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Work Party the podcast. If you felt inspired and learned something new, let us know in a review on iTunes and check us out on social at WorkParty. For every episode, we have downloadable resources available on WorkParty.com so you can put these tips and tools into action for your own business. Thanks again for listening and as always, work hard, party on.